There's a famous medieval text entitled, O Magnum Mysterium, which has been set to music, and it beautifully captures the wonder of today's mystery, today's celebration. And the title um, comes from this famous line, O great mystery and wonderful sacrament, that animals should see the newborn Lord lying in a manger. O great mystery, O magnum mysterium. What does the church uh, mean, though, when it uh, refers to mystery? I think sometimes when we hear that word mystery, our minds go to Sherlock Holmes, you know, a detective working to solve a difficult case. Mystery novels, or maybe your mind, like mine, sometimes goes to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the mystery machine. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what the church is um, speaking about when she talks about the mystery of God, this great mystery. You see, the mystery of God is not a puzzle to be solved. It's a truth to be reverenced. And it's a truth that, while never fully comprehended by our intellect, has nevertheless been revealed to us. Today we celebrate a great mystery and a wonderful sacrament. Listen again to how Luke's account of the nativity begins that we just heard in our gospel. He starts by saying, In those days, in those days, in other words, God has entered time and space He's entered into a particular time in history. God has, of his own free will, humbled himself to enter into his creation in order to save his creatures. The invisible God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, has suddenly shown his face in a little baby born of a virgin and found lying in a manger. Wow, what a, what a great mystery. <laughs> but it, that's only the beginning. Luke begins to set the, the scene for us wonderfully. And we're all familiar with the story, but boy, it, it's, it's powerful what he's doing here. When we, when we begin to understand what Luke is doing, it's not just a cute little story for children. Luke begins with these powerful, towering figures. He mentions Caesar Augustus, who was the most powerful man in the whole world at the time. He was the king of all the known world. And then we have Quirinius, the governor of Syria, who's mentioned by name. Powerful, another powerful figure. But they're not the main focus of Luke's story. He's not ultimately interested and then, he's setting the stage for us. Because while Caesar, Augustus, claimed to be divine, claimed to be a son of God, Luke is interested in telling us about the son of God. 
Christ is the Prince of Peace. And while there, he may have been born in a time, the Pax Romana, right? A time of peace in the Roman Empire. The Prince of Peace is coming not to bring a temporal peace, a worldly peace. But he's coming to bring about an eternal reign of peace. Caesar may have had the power and the authority to call for a census. In other words, to enroll every citizen in his kingdom so he could tax them more effectively. A typical kingly move. But Jesus is coming to write our names in the book of life so that we might be enrolled with him in heaven. You see what Luke is doing. And then the story shifts from Caesar and Quirinius to Joseph and Mary, these two humble nobodies <laughs> who are expecting parents at the time. And they're suddenly disrupted from their preparation. If you've ever, if you're a parent, you're probably familiar with the, the nerves, right? Especially the nerves that come before your first child. And you, you, can, you remember, I'm sure, all the preparations you made. Um, you can imagine now what's going on in Mary and Joseph's life and their home, who are trying to make preparations to welcome the Son of God. You can imagine the nerves, but you can also imagine the great love that went into every detail of their preparation, into the carpentry, into every little thing Mary did to prepare for her son, and the love that went into every detail. But suddenly they're disrupted. They've got to go and roll themselves um, in the census in Bethlehem because we're told they are of the lineage of the house of David. And while they were there, the time came for her to have her child. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. What does it mean to swaddle a child? <laughs> to swaddle an infant is to restrain their limbs so as to bring about a, a sense of security. Well, these same little limbs will be restrained again. Not in love, mind you, but in hatred. And after Christ has his limbs restrained in the passion, Mary will be there once again to wrap him before he's laid in the tomb. Luke tells us another detail. There is no room for them in the inn. They were seeking a place, a suitable place to have their child, and there was no room for them in the inn. That word for inn is significant as well. It's the same word that's used to describe the upper room in which the, the Eucharist will be celebrated for the first time before Christ's passion. The inn was a place of rest for the pilgrims. But there was, no, there was going to be no room for, for Jesus, no rest for him when he came into this world 
And we're told how Jesus was found lying in a manger. Pope Benedict XVI tells us in his famous um, book, Jesus of Nazareth, the manger, quote, the manger is the place where animals find their food. But now, lying in the manger, is he who called himself the true bread come down from heaven. The true nourishment that we need in order to be fully ourselves. This is the food that gives us true life, eternal life. Thus the manger becomes a reference to the table of God, to which we are invited so as to receive the bread of God. From the poverty of Jesus' birth emerges the miracle in which man's redemption is mysteriously accomplished. End quote. And so at Christmas we see this great mystery unfolding before us. That Jesus, lying in a manger, has come to be the place of rest for us. In Christ, in the infant, lying in the manger, which is the very same Christ that we find humbly given to us in the Blessed Sacrament. In Christ, our, our minds and our hearts can take rest. This is the, the great mystery. This is the wonderful sacrament that we celebrate at Christmas. Christ's birth brings the world hope, peace. Again, not a worldly peace, but a peace that only God can give. And rest, the rest that our hearts all desire. All that Christ desires are hearts that love him in return. So through the intercession of Mary and Joseph, let us all pray that this Christmas our, our minds may welcome his truth and our hearts embrace him in love. Just as Our Lady welcomed our Lord in that cave at Bethlehem, we have the same opportunity to welcome Jesus with love and Holy Communion as he comes bringing rest to our restless hearts. So let's gladly offer our, our restless hearts to the child in the manger, who, as the angels say to the shepherds, has been born for you.